Welcome to Hillside Baptist Chapel's weekly Bible study. Please join Dr. Steve Wood every week where we can all collectively grasp a better understanding of God through His Word. This podcast will be published every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Contact information is as follows. Dr. Steve Wood, Pastor, phone or message at 6438-6541, email at steverwood zero zero two at gmail dot com. Prayer requests can be sent directly to HBC Prayer List twenty twenty at gmail dot com. Good evening, church family. Welcome again to our Wednesday evening podcast. And we are continuing a message I started last week and I entitled that the comparison game. Well as we look at the message tonight, we're actually going to be looking at the Apostle Paul's rebukes for the Corinthian church. And uh, so, as we uh, look at these verses of Scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 11 through 21, these verses are going to be the same verses that we read last week as we looked at the comparison game. As we talked about their comparison of the Apostle Paul with the false apostles. He calls them super apostles because uh, they were thinking of them, uh, the Corinthians were thinking of them as being super. But the Apostle Paul also was doing some rebuking in this chapter of the Corinthian church. And uh, so uh, we're going to be looking at that aspect of these verses as we continue this message. So 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and we'll begin reading with verse 11. I've made a fool of myself, but you drove me to it. I ought to have been commended by you, for I am not the least inferior to the super apostles, even though I am nothing. I persevered in demonstrating among you the marks of a true apostle, including signs, wonders, and miracles. How were you inferior to the other churches? Except that I was never a burden to you. Forgive me of this wrong. Now I'm ready to visit you for a third time. And I will not be a burden to you because what I want is not your possessions, but you. After all, children should not have to save up for their parents, but the parents for the children. So I will very gladly spend for you everything I have and expend myself as well. If I love you more, will you love me less? Be that as it may, I have not been a burden to you. Yet, crafty fellow that I am, I caught you by trickery. Did I exploit you through any of the men I sent to you? I urged Titus to go to you and sent a brother, our brother with him. Titus did not exploit you, did he? Did he not walk in the same footsteps by the same Spirit? Have you been thinking all along that we have been defending ourselves to you? We have been speaking in the sight of God as those in Christ. And everything we do, dear friends, is for your strengthening. For I am afraid that when I come, I may find you as I may not find you as I want you to be. 
and you will not find me as you want me to be. I fear that there may be discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, slander, gossip, arrogance, and disorder. I'm afraid that when I come again, my God will humble me before you, and I will be grieved over many who have sinned earlier and have not repented of the impurity, sexual sin, and debauchery in which they have indulged. Father, we thank you tonight again for the reading of your word, and we pray that your blessings would be upon us as we analyze these things, as we unpack them, as we see what you're saying to that church and perhaps to us in our lives today as well. And I pray your blessings on this message. And bless our church. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. I told you last week that we were going to be looking at how the Apostle Paul was going to be rebuking the Corinthians for being ungrateful, suspicious, worldly, and unrepentant. We're going to take these up tonight thinking about what the Apostle Paul has said in his scriptures here. Being ungrateful, he writes. He rebukes this church. He says, I ought to have been commended by you. Verse 11 says. In other words, where's the appreciation? Isn't that what he's saying? The Corinthians should have been boasting about all that God was doing through the life of the Apostle Paul. Now he didn't want praise for himself, but he wanted God to be glorified and he wanted Christ to be praised. Instead, they put him in a position where he had to boast about himself. That's awkward, isn't it? Actually, he was boasting about Christ and that's what he brings out in these scriptures here. But it's kind of like writing a resume telling your interviewers how wonderful you are. Isn't that what a lot of people want from a resume? Isn't that what a lot of people do in their resumes? Can parents relate to this? You birth your children. You feed them. You provide for them. You become their personal taxi to drive them wherever they need to go. And all the while, they talk about how great Billy's dad is or how wonderful Susan Ma, Susan's mom is. Don't you want to just stop the car and say, Hello, I'm the one that's doing everything for you. How about you letting Billy's dad or Susan's mom pay for your college? <laughs> well, in Romans chapter 13, verse 7, he tells us, Give to everyone what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenues, pay revenues. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. We live in a world that loves to idolize people. Miley Cyrus, Lady Gaga, Madonna. But we ignore God's humble, faithful servants that are among us. This is wrong. We need to appreciate 
those that are laboring among us. We need to reward them. We need to honor them. The Corinthians were ungrateful. Are we guilty of the same thing as well? And then the Apostle Paul rebukes the Corinthians for being suspicious. He asked them, How were you inferior to the other churches? Except that I was never a burden to you. Forgive me this wrong, verse 13. The whole idea of not being a burden comes up repeatedly in this passage. Many of the Corinthians questioned Paul's motives for not taking up a collection among them while he was there. Are we not worthy? The Apostle Paul asked. And some of them were asking the question, is our money not good enough for you? But there were others among them that were saying, he just wants our money. Well, the Apostle Paul writes, what I want is not your possessions, but you, in verse 14. With a bit of sarcasm, he says, crafty fellow that I am, I caught you by trickery. I think what he's saying is, you caught me, you're right, I didn't take a collection because I just wanted your money. <laughs> Does that make any sense? 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 7 says, Love always trusts. Cecilia Bach writes about the world, a world without trust, where he says, In such a world, you could never trust anything you were told or anything you read. You would have to find out everything for yourself, firsthand. You would have to invest enormous amounts of time to find out the simplest matters. In fact, you, would probably, you probably couldn't even find out the simplest matters in a world without trust. You could never acquire the education you need to find out anything for yourself since such an education depends upon your, at, uh, your taking the word of those who are teaching you. Taking the word of individuals that you read in your lessons about. A moment's reflection of this sort makes crystal clear that you benefit enormously by living in a world in which a great deal of trust exists. A world in which the practice of truth-telling is widespread. All the important things you want to do in life are made possible by widespread trust. The point is, we benefit greatly from a world of trust. Yet we live in a fallen world, and we, of all people, recognize the sinful nature of us. But, love always trusts, the Scripture tells us. With COVID-19 right now, we have come to a place of not trusting what we read and not trusting what we hear to be true. Isn't that right? It doesn't make any difference what side of the fence you're on. The stories that are in the news, on the internet, 
or that we read about, how do we know those things are true? Somebody is not truthful, right? Somebody has to be telling an untruth. HLG tells the story of a homeless man begging for money. He knocks on a door and asks the lady who answers, Can you spare some change? The lady went to get something to give him and found that she had no change at all. And she told him, I don't have a penny, but I need a loaf of bread. Here's some money. Go buy me a loaf of bread and I'll give you the change. The man executed the commission that he was given, returned with her, her loaf of bread, and she gave him the change that he had brought back. The man began to cry. He said, it's not the money. It's the way you trusted me. No one ever trusted me like that before. Let there be trust on earth. And let it begin with me, we need to be saying. I realize that I will be taken advantage of on occasion. But I would rather be taken advantage of than live in a self-made prison of being suspicious of everyone that I met. Romans 2.14 in the message says this, There is something deep within us that echoes God's yes and no, right and wrong. Perhaps if we would learn to be more trusting, perhaps if we would learn to give someone a chance, the Holy Spirit would use us to prick their conscience and awaken them to God's moral law that's written within them. The Apostle Paul seems to be rebuking them for having a suspicious, untrusting spirit. And then he rebukes the Corinthians for being worldly. Verse 20, For I am afraid that when I come I may not find you as I want you to be, and you may not find me as you want me to be. I fear that there may be quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, Factions, slander, gossip, arrogance, and disorder. Wow, that's quite a list, isn't it? We're supposed to bear the fruit of the Spirit. But Paul, who loved these people as if they were his own children, is concerned that he will find something rotten when he comes. Rotten fruit, would you say? He is concerned the Corinthians will be quarreling, fussing, complaining. As he thinks about his coming trip, he doesn't want to find them that way. He is concerned that this jealousy, this envy that's there is going to spoil his time with them. That is not of Christ, is it? these things that we've talked about. We're to rejoice with those who rejoice, not envy them. Or maybe he will find an outburst of anger, he says. 
remember the one of the uh, the fruit of the spirit is self-control. What about factions? We've just seen that the Corinthians were divided, divided over Paul's intentions. Some were upset because he didn't ask them to give their money for his ministry. And others were thinking that he just wanted their money. In churches today, we see factions all the time. We have Republicans and Democrats, liberals, conservatives, traditional or contemporary music, Arminianists, Calvinists, and so forth. Some people love to debate. Some people are divisive. They just want to use the scriptures to bring on an argument. And they're not content to simply agree to disagree. And we then break fellowship, standing on the Word of God maybe, in the most ungodly way. What about slander? What about gossip? Once again, this was the reason for much of the letter that he addressed to the Corinthians. The slander and gossip being spread about the Apostle Paul. What about arrogance? It seems that it's fashionable today to brag, to boast, to exalt oneself. When the Bible tells us that we need to be humble. And it tells us that whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Matthew 23, verses 11 and 12. Would the Apostle Paul find disorder among the church when he arrived? He was afraid he would. Disorder means anarchy. Can you hear some of the Corinthians saying, nobody's going to tell me what to do? It's a matter of pride. The church and the Christian family ought to be a place of cooperation and harmony as we respect one another. And we need to respect our leaders and as our leaders submit to Christ. And then... He rebukes the Corinthians for being unrepentant. Verse 21. He says, I'm afraid when I come again, my God will humble me before you, and I will be grieved over many who have sinned earlier and have not repented of the impurity, sexual sin, and debauchery in which they have indulged. Impurity. I don't have to go into detail Describing that, do I? Sexual sins? Yeah, we know what those are too. Debauchery. This means having a rebellious spirit. And a rebellious spirit that's lost all sense of shame. Disobeying without a conscience. We have been called to repentance. We have been called to be holy. 1 Corinthians 6 verses 9 through 11 says, Do you not know that we have been called to repentance. We have been called to be holy. The Bible tells us here to not be deceived. The sexual immorality or idolaters or adulterers 
nor male prostitutes, nor homosexual offenders, nor thieves, nor the greedy or the drunkard, nor slanderers, nor swindlers, will inherit the kingdom of God. And that is what some of you were, the Apostle Paul says. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Well, in conclusion tonight, the next question for us is, compared to the Corinthians, how are we doing? Are you inferior to the Corinthians? Are you superior superior to the Corinthians? This is a kind of trick question. After all, we've just discussed comparisons, haven't we? I believe the right answer is we're all a part of the body of Christ. The Corinthians may not be the greatest church. They could have been the smallest part of the body of Christ. But Romans 14.4 says, Who are you to judge someone else's servant? Let's not judge them. But can we learn from them? Can we examine ourselves and ask ourselves? Do we care about the Lord's church called Hillside? The Apostle Paul cared for the church that was at Corinth. Do we care about God's servants? Do we appreciate the humble, faithful servants among us? Those who clean, those who run sound in projection, those who set up chairs, work in hospitality, prepare communion, or clean? Do we care about God's standards? Are we quarreling with each other? Or loving one another? The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. How are we doing? Are we striving to be holy? Are we truly repentant? Do we care about those who don't know God? Those who don't know or may have never known about Jesus Christ who came and died for them. Those who don't know may never know if we don't care about our church and we don't care about them and we don't care about God's servants we don't care about God's standards as the Apostle Paul was writing to the church at Corinth about the winner of that little game of comparison that we talked about earlier the Apostle Paul wrote 1st and 2nd Corinthians he visited the Corinthians he was planning his third trip to see them, to encourage them. He loved the Corinthians. He writes, Everything we do, dear friends, is for your strengthening. In verse 19 of chapter 12. We can be a winner too. If we live for Christ, if we also have our church in our hearts, if we stop playing the comparison game and if we stop doing the things that the Apostle Paul rebuked this church for doing Father I pray that you'd bless those that are listening to this podcast tonight help them to turn from anything that might be wrong in their lives 
and allow you to be in first place and allow you to guide them to things that are needed in our church and in our individual lives. And I pray your blessings on each one that's listening. And if there's one who does not know you, I pray that tonight would be the time that they would turn from their sins in repentance and faith and trust in Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. For He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by Him. And we ask it all in His name. Amen. Contact information is as follows. Dr. Steve Wood, Pastor, phone or message at 6438-6541, email at steverwood002 at gmail.com. Prayer requests can be sent directly to hbcprayerlist2020 at gmail.com. Thank you, and God bless.